Welcome to another edition of the Bible in the News. This is Jonathan Bowen joining you from Brantford, Canada. The history of Europe is one of great turmoil. From the reign of Charlemagne and for almost 1,000 years, Central Europe was united under the Holy Roman Empire. This wicked empire was responsible for the murder of God's saints at the bidding of the Catholic Church. It is described in Daniel 7 as speaking great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Revelation 13 describes the beast of the earth, which was the apocalyptic symbol for the Holy Roman Empire, causing as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Revelation 13 verse 15. The litany of murder is placed at the feet of the Catholic Church in Revelation 18 verse 24, where it states, In her was found the blood of prophets and saints, and of all that were slain upon the earth. As judgment for her crimes against God's saints, Europe has been dismembered by the French Revolution, torn apart by the First World War and decimated by the Second World War, under what are described as the vials of revelation recorded in chapter 16. The Holy Roman Empire was ended, and Europe stood divided between East and West in what became to be known as the Cold War, with a physical line running across Berlin. For those who grew up during this time, the picture was frightening and bleak, imminent invasion by the Soviets, the threat of nuclear war and the annihilation of the planet in a nuclear holocaust gripped many. However, this picture had to change in accordance with the prophetic word. The book of Revelation describes a Europe revived from the ashes of the Holy Roman Empire and united by the consent of its leaders. We read in Revelation 17 verses 11 to 13, The beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seven, and goeth into perdition. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. The beast that was, the Holy Roman Empire, and is not, destroyed by Napoleon following the French Revolution, even he is the eighth, revived. This system is described in verse 8 as the beast that thou sawest, which was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. It would come back to life, and the little nations that made it up, described as ten kings, would voluntarily give their power and strength to the beast. The image painted did not match that of the Cold War of the 1950s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Yet Daniel 4.17 stated, The Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will, and setteth up over it the basest of men. The decree of Scripture was clear. The working out of it was not until 20 years ago this week, when the Berlin Wall fell or was pulled down by Europeans, the symbol of the great iron curtain that descended across Europe at the close of the Second World War. This week, celebrations were held in Berlin and attended by foreign dignitaries commemorating this momentous event. One picked up the commemorative commentary this week, a somewhat underreported theme, that of the Pope's contribution to this momentous event. Cardinal Angelo Sodano, Dean of the College of Cardinals, as reported by the Catholic News Agency from Rome, Italy, November the 11th, remarked that the historical event was possible thanks to Pope John Paul II and the contribution of many Christians on the continent. 
The article went on to state, "It is just to recall November ninth, nineteen eighty nine. A symbol of a divided Europe fell then, and most importantly, the communist system that was imposed by force on the nations of Central Eastern Europe began to fall." The cardinal said, as John Paul II said during a nineteen ninety six visit to Berlin, "The fall of the wall was the triumph of the freedom of peoples." I was with the Pope then, and I remarked the excitement of Chancellor Kohl and of all those present who gave him a standing ovation, almost to thank him for his contribution to the returning of freedom to the heart of Europe. Cardinal Sedano said, "The Pope's contribution, recorded in the book *The President, the Pope, and the Prime Minister* by John O'Sullivan, began with a solidarity movement in Poland." Before becoming Pope, Cardinal Karol Wojtyla had been very active in Poland. In fact, when he left for Rome, Edward Gierek, the Polish communist leader, incorrectly stated in 1980, "It is good that Wojtyla has left for Rome. Here in Poland, he would be a disaster. He would create difficulties for us. In Rome, he is less dangerous." Recorded on page 93. O'Sullivan goes on to relate: Immediately after his election, when the cardinals were paying him homage, he had embraced the elderly cardinal Franciszek Tomasek of Prague, saying, "We are standing very close to one another, and will stand closer still, because the because now the responsibility for you is being transferred to me." In his visit to Assisi, only one month into his papacy, John Paul declared of the Church behind the Iron Curtain. It is not a church of silence anymore because it speaks with my voice. Pope John Paul would return to Poland in a second visit in 1983. O'Sullivan relates: On Saturday, June 2nd, an even more enthusiastic crowd waited to greet John Paul when he walked down the stairway from his Atiala jet at Warsaw Airport. Kissed the ground of his native Poland and watched by the entire world, including Ronald Reagan in California, began shaking the foundations of the Soviet Empire. End quote. The Pope put his full support, with the aid of Ronald Reagan, America's president, and the CIA, behind the Solidarity Movement in Poland, led by Polish dock worker and devout Catholic Lakwalesa. What followed was the rusting out of the iron in the Soviet Iron Curtain. This is described in Ezekiel thirty-eight verse four as the turning back of Gog, described in Daniel eleven as the King of the North. By nineteen eighty-seven, O'Sullivan relates, Reagan had already won the Cold War. The Soviets could no longer meet the U.S. economic and strategic competition. They therefore had to meet Reagan's terms. Page two hundred and eighty-nine. The Pope made a third visit to Poland in 1987, encouraging the Solidarity Movement. By April 1988, the Solidarity strikes began throughout Poland. By January 1989, Solidarity was recognized as an independent labor union. By July, the Polish Parliament was dominated by the Solidarity Party, and Poland's communist government collapsed. O'Sullivan further relates: Mazowiecki took office at the head of Poland's first post-war. Democratic government on September twelfth, nineteen eighty nine, exactly ten years and three months after John Paul II had landed in Poland and appealed to God, "Let your spirit come down and renew the face of the land, this land." Two months later, the Berlin Wall would come crashing down, and communism in Eastern Europe would collapse with it. Russia would be turned back. In the words of Margaret Thatcher, Britain's Prime Minister, commenting on Reagan, 
His policies of military and economic competition with the Soviet Union forced the Soviet leaders, in particular Mr. Gorbachev, to abandon their ambitions of hegemony and to embark on the process of reform, which in the end brought the entire communist system crashing down. Truly, in this regard, Britain and America joined forces with the papacy and in the words of Revelation 17, verse 12, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have made, been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. The goal of the papacy was not the freedom of the peoples in Europe, but the reunification of Europe into a new totalitarian regime. The fall of the Berlin Wall, communism, and the Iron Curtain paved the way for the resurrection of the beast that was, and is not, and yet is, Revelation 18, verse 8. The reunification of Germany that followed would lead to the reunification of Europe, as the nations of Eastern Europe joined the European Union. This reunification has been brought to a climax with the signing of the Lisbon Treaty, which has just been ratified by Ireland, Poland, and finally Czechoslovakia. Revelation 17 verses 12 to 13 put a timetable on the beast that shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. The ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind, and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. Prophetically speaking, this is a period of thirty years. The Lisbon Treaty moves us closer to the commencement of this period. Before the climax, when the nations of Europe make war with the Lamb, the resurrection and judgment of the saints has to occur, the Elijah mission to Israel must take place, the gathering of the nations to Armageddon must happen, the march of the rainbowed angel, culminating in the arrival of Christ with his saints in Jerusalem, following the great day of God Almighty, must have taken place. The establishment of the kingdom Israel and the great decree to fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come. Revelation 14 verse 8 must go out. Simply put, the Lord is at the door. Let us watch and be sober, awaiting his return. Continue to watch with us at www.bibleinthenews.com.